What's up, everybody? Welcome to BJJ and Brews. I am your co-host, Noah John, and we are back from summer vacation. And we are excited because our episode is with a guy that, man, we've been wanting to have on the show for a long time, Orlando food critic Ryan. This guy is such a character, and we are so thankful that he made the time to uh, be on our show. And more than that, the amount of time, because this is part one of a three-part conversation with Orlando Food Critic. And if you thought this guy was interesting when you met him, you're not going to believe what he shares with us in this conversation. So I'm going to jump into it right now. Guys, thank you so much for listening. Thank you again, Ryan, for the show. And guys, here it is, part one, Orlando Food Critic. And it starts right now. And we're good. All right, Ryan. We can just keep talking. Like, we, we've been talking for the last hour. We should have been recording this whole thing. <laughs> it would have been dope if we I, had. <laughs> we, should, we should just turn the mics on. Bigger. Um, so, like, oh, there you go. So, okay, so, Ryan, Orlando, food critic. God, I, there's so much to talk about here. So, let's just start with the beginning here. Um, where were you born? Because you just said it. Like, where are you? Because you have an interesting background. Because you come in here... You clearly have an international flair, and and then I found out that you were born in the UK. So yeah, so I'm British. My parents are British. Like my whole family's British. I don't have like any any um like I'm hundred percent British on both sides. But um, really, oh yeah, oh <laughs> okay. Like there's there's like no other mix in there. Okay, <laughs> uh, my mom is British. My dad is British. Uh, my mom is like. The kid of an intelligence officer from from the British Army, Second World War. Um, my dad is like the kid of the of 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 the son of Queen Victoria's dentist. Queen Victoria's dentist. Yeah. Holy. So shit. my my great grandfather was Queen Victoria's dentist. Yeah. Okay, and so there's some blue blood in there, bro. Yeah. So, <laughs> but you, you were born in Wales. Yeah. You were born in Wales. But is your family, are, are they British? Are they, like, what's... No, no, they're British. They're British. They're British. Okay, they're British. Um, so then where does Columbia come into all this? Okay, so my grandparents on both sides were top executives for the United Fruit Company. I don't know if you've ever heard the name United Fruit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, nowadays, it's transformed into Chiquita Banana. So... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So um, my, I don't know, you know, how accurate that is, but from what I understand, that's what it evolved into, Chiquita Banana. So my 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 grandparents were both executives for that company, and one of the biggest banana plantations in the world was in the coast of Colombia. So my families ended up, both families ended up in that plantation. So the British and the Americans had like a compound um, within a city called Santa Marta which is like one of the major cities in the coast of Colombia. And um, it kind of, kind of like was like a city within the city. So you had like your own school or your own supermarket, your own club, your own everything, but it was just Americans and, and, and um, English people. So my, my parents were neighbors in that compound, like from like across the street to each other. So my parents have known each other since they were kids. Like my dad carried my mom when she was born. Like kind of like that thing. <laughs> Um, so they've known each other forever. And so when they went to Colombia, did they know how to speak Spanish at that time? Or did they learn? Like, they learned. They learned. They learned. And when, at what age were you when five. your family moved? So you're five. So you got exposed to the Spanish language very early on. Oh, yeah. Which yeah. is why you got... Okay, so how long were you there then in Colombia? So, yeah, all the way until 2006. Okay. So culturally, how do you feel like, what does you feel like your identity is? Well, everybody asks me and I say I'm Colombian. So that's what I, what I, I, I consider myself. I consider myself Colombian. Almost by adoption. Almost like. Even though I have been criticized my entire life by my family for saying that I'm Colombian. (laughs) Because they always are like, you're not Colombian, you're British. So, so, um, but I'd be like, no, I'm not like, you know, I'm, I'm Colombian. So there was a point actually in my life when I was like around maybe 11 or 12 where I refused to speak English. And my parents were pissed off at me and it was like a big thing. Like it was like they they had like they had this decree that you could only speak English at home and the Spanish could only be spoken in like, you know, outside of the house. 
and um and i was like the rebel like i would, I would only speak spanish spanish at home and i'd be like you need to speak english and i'm like no this is colombia you speak spanish <laughs> so yeah and and I mean, they must be speaking the Queen's English, your family. Like, because you don't, have, when you speak English, you don't have a British accent at all. No, no, no. Honestly, uh, my dad has a bit of a, uh, of a, like a very slight, you know, British accent, but um, because they, they weren't really raised there, they were just raised around the world. And my mom actually went to school here in the States. So when um, my, they, her, her, my grandparents were like doing the whole, you know, United Fruit thing, uh, my mom was studying in, um, in a boarding school in Boca Raton. In Florida, uh, Saint Saint Anne's, I think it was the name of the school. I don't, it doesn't exist anymore. But after she graduated um, high school in in Boca, she went to study in Miami University. Um, in Ohio? That, no, Miami University. Oh, you, okay. So my, there's a Miami University in Ohio, and then the University of Miami. University Miami. of Miami. Yeah. So okay. she went to University of Miami to study. I think it was like secretarial something. And when she graduated from that, she went back to Columbia. Okay. So. Um, so my mom's accent is not English. Like it's, it's very neutral. Very American. It's very yeah. American. My mom, I think my mom considers herself in like she doesn't say it out loud, but she has like the heart of an American more than of a like of a Brit like of a British person. So would you say then the 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 British like the solid British part of your family starts at your grandparents? Oh yeah. And completely. then after that, it, it became like you know, more obviously, diverse. you know, you have the roots of your raising run deep. Like you know, my my dad has like the mental, like the very British mentality. My mom, not so much. My my mom is like w way more American, but but um, but the hardcore, like you know, British part, it definitely you know was at my my grandparents' level. Okay, so what brought you? So you were in Colombia until two thousand six. You said two thousand six, and then you came to the United States. I'm assuming. What happened in 2006? Yeah, 2006, um, I left Colombia. So that's where I started, like, you know, my whole, like, you know, culinary background. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, I chose the States because at the time I had, you know, I had, I had married a Colombian girl that um, wanted to, like, all her family was here in the States. So, like, the idea was, like, okay, we're going to get married and we're going to call United States home. Mm -hmm. So that was, that's why kind of, like, United States came into the picture. Because like all my you know culinary training is basically European, but it happened between moving to the states and establishing myself here. I was going back and forth. So what did what were you so what had you been doing in Colombia as a kid, and then up until two thousand six? Well, two thousand well, till so two thousand and six when I when I graduated um uh, high school, I decided to that I wanted to be in like. Uh, journalism so really oh yeah <laughs> oh my god and we just spent the last hour talking about geopolitics in colombia yeah so, <laughs> okay, I, so I started i started going i started going to school for journalism and along the way like the career like the university that i had picked was like more based on on like the production production of of like a film and it was more about radio it wasn't really about what i wanted so at the same time because I was like very driven to be independent by my family when I was a kid, I started working at the same time as I started studying. And the the work that kind of like fell on my lap was teaching English because, you know, of the of my background. So I started teaching English and I started making really good money at a young age as an English teacher. Now, was that like, like were you doing like, um, private lessons at people's houses or were you no, teaching no, in no, a, no. In like I, a university? No, 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 no. I actually started right off the bat with an American company. Okay. Uh, ELS. Yeah. I'm they were they were based in, in they had an, you know, uh, an office. They do teaching English as a second language. As a second language. Yeah. So I went through their, like, you know, corporate training program and I graduated from it. Um, and how old were you at the time? 17. 17, okay. So I graduated from that, from that program and... And, um, you know, I became um, English instructor or whatever they, they called it at the time. And it was, you know, I was making good money at the time for my age. Um, and I wasn't like really, you know, interested in like the, you know, the, the way they were like the type of journalism they were teaching at the university. So I decided to switch. So I went from studying journalism to uh, going into modern languages. So I just became like a like a English professor not english 
like a professor of like you know you would say here but like an english professor of the language like a language teacher mm -hmm. language professor not an english professor a language professor yeah okay and do okay so do you feel quick do you speak any other languages besides english and spanish italian and german italian oh jesus christ where where'd the german come from okay so that's that was high school like school and high school so my dad has always been very progressive and my mom's side of the family not so much um and they wanted to put me like in a like in a british school and my dad said he already speaks english he already speaks spanish so why the british school Just throw him into the german school so he can learn german ah okay <laughs> so i have friends that were like it was the isle francaise so they would go to the french school french school french okay. high school okay so you went so you went to german high school so i went to well not high school everything i just went to german oh. school in general Okay. So they, they, you know, everybody in the family was pissed off because I was going, you know, I was like going to school with the Nazis. <laughs> you know, like my my grand my my grandfather. There you go. Speaking to the mic, Victor. Victor, speaking to the mic. Did you hear that? You catch that? You can train Leo. You have the nine. Well, not that one. So, so um. So yeah, so like my, you know, my, my, I said that my grandfather on my mom's side was a captain in the British intelligence during the Second World War. So obviously, you know, my mom's side of the family was like, you know, very anti-German. So the fact that I was going to the German school was a super big thing. Holy shit. Everybody was angry and, and that to be I was. Fair, is it, is, isn't Ryan, it not wait, no, true? Hold up. Ryan, what the fuck, dude? <laughs> <laughs> so, so listen. But, and and I know, to be fair, I know, like, Noah, to be fair here, like, and, and I'll add, because I, I spent, I spent uh, a little under a year in Colombia, okay? But I, I'll, I'll ask you pointedly, like, If they're Germans in Colombia, there's a good chance that they're they're exiled Nazis. Is that not true? Most likely. There yeah. we go. Thank you. <laughs> well, I'm telling you that my 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 grandfather, like full disclosure, he's dead already, and it's like long time ago. He was uh, an intelligence agent. Like no one knew he was an he was he was a spy. My grandfather was a spy. Uh, on the British side or the, on the British side. Okay, yeah. the British side. So you know what's funny? You know how you have you have titled one of your podcasts is titled "The Secret Past" or "The Secret Life of uh, yeah. of Mike Sahibi." Yeah. This is the real secret life, <laughs> like, dude. But there's no secret. I'm super open. I know. I know what I'm saying. Is, <laughs> what I'm saying is that what I'm saying is that how the fuck? Like, there's so much shit going on with you that it's like, Jesus, what the fuck? What's going on? I didn't know the German thing. That is interesting. Now, where'd the Italian come? Did that just come because you That was just me and the and my culinary and passion. Okay. And like, just, you know, working kitchens in Italy. All right, we'll, we'll oh fuck, we'll get to that. <laughs> we'll get to that. We're gonna go slowly through the- It's gonna be a two-parter. Yeah, it's, two it's, it's gonna be a two or three-parter. So, um, just, just to where we are here in the timeline, um, your family, moved to the plantations from from the uk to to columbia why do you uh, say plantation like that huh? just, well it was a, it was bad. it was plantation it like was that? a plantation banana plantation that's what it was i mean he said banana plantation. No, 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 i don't mean yeah, it like i'm gonna tell you something he's like, like cracking the whip on a slave i'm gonna tell you something i i grew up thinking that it was super it was like super like prideful that my parents like that my family was associated with the united fruit company because that's what i bro was brought up with mm -hmm. and the united fruit company they're like you know piece of shit company <laughs> like they're taking advantage of everybody around the world and obviously my grandparents were a part of that because they were executives but yeah. you know i grew up thinking it was like wow you know yeah i'm like you know united fruit <laughs> then, right so then you know you 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 grow up and you start reading <laughs> and you're like oh shit these guys were nasty <laughs> <laughs> so yeah plantation would definitely describe it Victor. so you you they're like they're they're associated with like a mass killing in in like a city right next to the plantations because the laborers were like you know um when ri rioting rioting and they they paid like the local police to put a machine gun on top of a building and like start shooting at them yeah good times So good times. Good. Full disclosure. Full disclosure. <laughs> so that's just history. You can read on that if you want. So you said there was there was there was, um, uh, let's say not not everyone was happy with you going to German school, and that was from your dad. Your dad was my the dad one was that, the one that forced it. That, that, Is that, it not only me? Me and my brother. So I have a, a brother that's older than me, five years. He started first. So like he was the one that started with the the big thing started with my brother. Because he was the first one to go to a German school. 
um, and then then I followed. Um, but you know, even even when I was going into school, it was still a big thing on my mom's like side of the family. Okay, so you in did- fact, like my grandmother on my mom's side hated my dad. <laughs> I, I can imagine he was too progressive for her. <laughs> so you basically did primary and secondary school, like high school. I uh, went to in the I went to the German school all the way up to eighth grade, and um and I was expelled ooh. from the school because um, I was a bit of a of a rebel. So like the German school, because they were the German school, they they had their own set of rules. So it was like one of the only schools in the city that didn't follow like the Department of Education um, like guidelines. They followed their own guidelines. So while other schools in Colombia, you know, were treating you know students in a certain way, the German school was treating the students in a different way. And I knew because I had friends, you know, going to Colombian schools. And, um, you know, one of my ways of like saying, like sticking it to them was that I was going to like not follow the rules. And I was going to like kind of like apply myself to the to the Colombian regimen and not to their regimen. And obviously it ended up me getting expelled. <laughs> so I finished I finished high school in a Colombian in a very Catholic Colombian school. At a very public or private? Private. Private. OK. And. At that, pictures <laughs> like of course, <laughs> and then at that point, I I, I don't want to skip too far ahead, but when does the culinary side of you like start okay? To so blossom? my my grandmother on my mom's side started by opening a fish and chips restaurant in Colombia when I wasn't even born. Okay, I want to go there. Like I was just in Ireland, and I felt like I I love fish and chips, but to actually go to a place that does it properly, I was like, God. I, so good so yeah so my my grandmother was like she wasn't an accomplished cook she wasn't a chef or anything but you know she had been living in colombia for a while and um you know being being you know very like you know hardcore british lady she wanted to open a pub in in colombia so in the coast of colombia there was nothing close to a pub and there was nothing close to fish and chips at the time and there were a lot of there's a lot of good fresh fish though and a lot of good fresh fish so actually they were ahead of their time like if they had done that now you know they would they would it would have been a very successful business um the business didn't stick it started as a fish and chips restaurant and then from there it went into like kind of like an idea of an irish pub um and it eventually like didn't work out because it was they were too ahead of their time like the Colombia, the local community wasn't ready for that not ready culturally, not ready like mentally, not ready economically, not ready. So that was that part. But my my aunt, like my mom's sister, on the same side of the family, um, started like a her own catering company. And for a while, like if you wanted to get like decent food, like apart from Colombian food, like outside, like international food, um, you would get it from her. So she was very famous like in my in my you know hometown for for her cooking so in terms of of anything that wasn't like local cuisine and my mom because of that because you know there were a british family that was living in a in a country that was you know a colombian country where they had like different eating habits and um you know they they you you long for what you know you know so she started getting into cooking and baking primarily so you know we could all grow up like eating the stuff that she grew up and then on top of that she had the american influence so i grew up in a house where a lot of there was a big american influence in what we ate every day because my mom grew up here in the states pretty much um and you know it was just like baking cooking central in my house all day every day and then if from there like the other 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 family that i had in town was my aunt and she had a catering service so if i went to her house it was like cooking central over there too um my brother became a vegetarian and then he got into vegetarian cooking, which was also, he was also ahead of his time because there wasn't much available at the time, you know, for vegetarians. Um, well, the vegetarian part, this part is important. So age 13, because it has a lot to do with everything in my life, about 13 when I got kicked out of school, of the German school, um, I actually didn't go straight into the nice you know, top-notch private school. I had to do one year in a messed up school because I didn't say anything to my parents that I had like, you know, being expelled. <laughs> so they found, when they found out about 
about um about me like being expelled from the school it was too late to get me into a nice school so they had to compromise and put me into a shitty school for a year till like get like you know get everything straight and then transition into a better school so he was worried because i had like the german school didn't have like uniforms um it was completely different from 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 colombian schools like you were allowed to kind of like express yourself more so i had long hair um i had like hair like up to my chest down to my chest um yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And my hair, my hair used to be red, so it's funny. Oh, it's I not, can, I can imagine the red. It's I not can. red anymore, but, but my hair used to be red, so I had like long red hair down to my chest. Um, I had like shaved on the sides, so I would like have like a kind of like Viking ponytail kind of thing going on sometimes. And when I went into that school, I had to cut my hair because they didn't allow that kind of hairstyle at the school that I was going to. Because I'd imagine it's a Catholic school. It wasn't a Catholic school, but but Colombian Colombian's official religion is Catholic, so pretty much everything is a Catholic school. So every every school teaches religion, Catholic religion, because Colombia's official you know religion is Catholic. So um, I had to like lose a haircut, and I was like kind of like kind of no, I was like fat as fuck. So I don't know, is this like HBO? Fuck is okay. Oh yeah, this is fully okay. explicit. You're good. So uh, <laughs> it's not TV. It's HBO. <laughs> 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 so so i was i was fat as fuck so i was i i remember my weight in kilos i was 98 kilos when i was how old were you 13 jeez yeah i was Just like what i was a big puppy <laughs> huh so multiply by, by 2.2 2. 2. Multiply. He's over, he's, over, he's over 200 pounds but he's 13 yes yeah, like i'm my, my my weight now kind of like yeah, not the same. I'm a little heavier than that right now, but <laughs> but um, but I was like 98 kilos when I was 13. So my dad was worried. He was worried that I was gonna be bullied in school because I was gonna go to a rough school. Like I was gonna go to like a lower class. Oh, yeah, gordito, get yeah, yeah. Pasa. You know, like obviously, obviously, you know, I, my dad was a frugal guy, but we lived very well. So I didn't. I lived in a bubble. I didn't know. You know. I didn't know hardship or anything, and I was gonna go to school with kids that knew hardship, you know. So, so from your dad's perspective, he's saying like, "Yeah, my dad, my my son is probably my so- more cult- my, my soft. My son is soft. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> no, but I would say like you're probably like already, already. It's like yeah, he he's he's probably like a little more cultured because of his, you know, in you know the background. But in terms of um, maybe being streetwise." that's maybe where yeah so he was he was very concerned you know he was angry that i that i you know that i got expelled from the german school and he was okay with me being you know that with life punishing me by throwing me in one of those schools but at the same time he was scared like he's like you know my kid is he's gonna have a rough time my mom wasn't like that Chancletas across the face, boy. <laughs> no, my my mom definitely picked up the whole chancleta thing. Don't worry, I she was the she was the enforcer. So so like I know I know what you're talking about. Like I didn't get chancleta. I got like a very like nice heavy belt. Yeah. You got the belt or el cable? Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so um so at that point, my dad was trying to find solutions for me being fat. So he wanted me to lose weight. And at the same time, he wanted me to get like in a you know not being soft anymore. We're, okay, so up until this point in the German school and just in general, were you active at all in any sort of sports? I tried swimming, and my. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't know why that's so funny. La nación. <laughs> and my biggest accomplishment was third place. Third place, right? I don't know why that's so. So funny. I showed up home and I'm like, Mom, I made third place, and she's like, That's great. What did you? How swim? many people were swimming? Three. <laughs> <laughs> what did you? What did you swim? AKA last. <laughs> what did you swim? Like huh? freestyle or what was it? Like it was just. The, just get to the other side yeah get to the other side and back you know <laughs> that's awesome so no 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 no. i had tried several things so i had tried tennis first and hey, and i no wasn't john. i was i was decent at tennis when i was like you know age eight or so because i wasn't fat when i was eight like i started getting fat like 10 ish before that like my best friend was like um his dad was a big shot in town so he had like the whole like country club kind of like thing going on so i did a lot of golf with him 
And then Dude, you're like checking all the boxes of like um, pi- in Spain they say un pijo. It's like that. <laughs> <laughs> just like oh God, right. So yeah, my weekends were at country clubs. You know, going going on 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 like beach getaways and nice hotels. So we call this Ryan was a house Colombian maids. Yeah, I'm I was a, a, I was a house. I'm a, I was muchos a empleados. I'm a, <laughs> yeah. I'm, empleados. A my, my, I'm a field Colombian myself. My parents didn't. That's what I'm saying. How many Even empleados though, did you have? Huh? How many empleados? Okay, so that's that's a good point. My my. So, but by the way, I'm saying empleado, and everyone's like, "What the fuck are you saying?" Empleado would be a like a maid or a housekeeper, you know. Yeah. So so my 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 dad again very progressive or a nanny because the if, it, if from the obviously we know that servitude and the British is a big thing so <laughs> they they should be okay with this but my parents weren't so they weren't big on having maids. So we had a maid that would come in and help out with like the everyday affairs, but she didn't cook and she didn't like, you know, deal with our like responsibilities. So, so like I had day? to make what's my, ev- I had to make my bed. Imagine that I had to make my bed. I had to like, Imagine that. <laughs> I, had to, I had to like wash my own dishes and shit. Well, I mean, so, um, which is not normal in a Colombian household. In so a Colombian actually, household, you have two or three maids. Yeah, so this is... And so they do everything in, for not you. Not in this Colombian household. What the fuck are you talking about? Yeah, but well, you grew up in the I States. You grew up in, in the States, In my social so. status, at You grew up in no, the yeah, States. I'm, but I'm, I'm, I'm I'll speak to that because <laughs> I, you know, I, um, one of my best, my best friend in college was, was a Spanish. And, um, you Spaniard. know, he, like Spaniard, Spaniard. Yeah, Spaniard. And he, um... You know, he, he came from, you know, an upper class family, you know, his dad was a businessman and, did, you know, was well off. And they lived in a in a good part of, you know, a good suburb of Madrid, you know, to the point where like David Beckham is like two doors down, that kind of thing. Right. Um, when he was playing for Real Madrid. And I remember going in there and they had uh, an empleado. They had a you know housekeeper and, and uh, Blanca and she was amazing, you know, but. I remember waking up my first day, like he invited me to his place. Um, I was still in college and he invited me to his place. And I went there and I woke up and, uh, you know, I, you know, I got up, I, you know, I went downstairs and, you know, she was cooking breakfast. I was like, okay, this is, you know, I was a little new for me, you know, as an American who just grew up as a single child with his parents and stuff. And then uh, when I went back to my room, like, like later that morning, it's like my bed was made. That freaked me the fuck out. <laughs> I was like, you don't need to make my bed. Like, I'll make my bed. So every, like, every day after that, when I woke up, I immediately made my bed because it was weird. But, you know, that I, I later saw when I, when I lived oh, when, I, when I would visit my friends, like, I would stand up to go get water if I wanted water. And they'd be like, what are you doing? Exactly. Like, sit down. And it's like, hey, uh, Petra, can we get two <laughs> waters, please? <laughs> and then, like, she would show up with, like, a little, like, silver platter. With coasters, <laughs> yeah, and like you know, nice hot, cold water, and be like, "Hey, here you go, patroncito," like you know, little like little boss. That's, Here's that's your water. You know? So it, that was yeah, that's like normal, that's and, and you have to understand this. Like this is so big in Colombia, specifically on the coast of Colombia, mm-hmm. that there's different levels of maids depending on how what's your social status. So even even like low class people have have low maid. class maids. Yeah. They just get paid less. They get paid less and they probably work with different families. Because they- there's different levels of poverty. So like, you know, there's there's like the housemaid from like a rich family is making good money, like decent minimum, at least minimum wage, right? But then you have the maid that works for the poor family. She's not making close to minimum wage. She's like trying to get fed. You know, but but there's a system that even poor people have maids. Well, and and what's crazy to me is when I went to Brazil, and I was in Brazil, I want to say in 2000, I think it was 2011. It was either 2000, yeah, it was around, yeah, it was 2000, no, 2010. I was in Brazil. And uh, again, you know, I was, uh, I initially stayed with a friend that I had met in Spain when I was, when I'd been living in Spain. And as you can imagine, the... You know, if there's a, if there's someone that's, if there's a Brazilian that's studying in Spain, you know, for us as Americans, we might be like, oh, no big deal. Like, oh, exchange programs. Like, you have to be well off to be doing that. So this guy, he works in, in oil now, in the oil industry. Like, he's well off. Like, his, they, they live in, um, in Rio, in Lagoa, which is, which is uh, right behind Ipanema. So they're in a good part of town up on a hill. I went to a party with them. It was up on top of a hill looking out at all of Rio. Like, I mean, they, they did well. But they still, 
by many uh, standards, had a modest-looking apartment. It wasn't like they were living in a fucking mansion or anything, right? But they had a maid, you know? Um, and she was awesome. And the crazy thing was, they kept referring to... They, they, they told me that there's... And, and maybe it's changed, but they, there was like these letter grades that people would give to socioeconomic status, A, B, C, and D. Yeah, like numbers. Like it's, it's, okay. not, it's stratum. It's stratum. It's stratum social. Yeah. So it's, that's why I've said the word a couple of times, but it's a direct translation from estatus social, like social status. Yeah. That's why I said it depends on your social status because, like, the cities are divided. Yeah, I remember in in Bogota, you had like uh, like neighborhoods with different stratos. Yeah. yeah. So like, there's estrato uno, which is like you know social status one, which is goes like to, the poorest. Okay, so it goes. To and then it goes up to like seven, I think nowadays. I don't know. And, um, you know, I was, li I, we, at the time where I was a kid, there was no seven. There was six and six plus. So they added a seven. So there was, there was <laughs> hey, still, no, there was the, six and six plus, And we were six plus. Oh, six plus. <laughs> we, we were six Damn, plus. Homie. Damn, homie. So, <laughs> and, but that applied, that applied to everything. So even like, you know, people in social status one weren't paying the same amount of money for electricity than social status six. Like we, we were paying, you know, 600 times more than what they were paying for their electricity bill. So it, it, it applied to that, too. It wasn't only a social thing in terms of class. It had to do with, with, your, with, cost your, with your, your cost of living. Yeah. Correct. So the thing in Brazil, which, which blew my mind, and, it, and again, you know, I, I don't know how Brazil's changed in the last 10 years, because that was 10 years ago. But at the time, you know, uh, where I was staying with my friend in, in you know, what I would call uh, a nice but not lavish apartment you know but in a good part of town they were social status a and in, in that case a was the top right so they were a and you have b c and d and b right below was our maid who was making money living with them during the week and then going back to her her farm her farm family and then c and d was below that and they were in the favelas which would be the barrios you know so you know the shanty towns. And then there's and stuff. like the outer, there's like outer towns that are like annexed to the city, like municipalities. Mm -hmm. And then there, there's, there's like even though they live well, you know they're obviously like under the poverty level, Correct. right? They still live well, but like in terms of economics, they're under in terms the poverty of just level. Like buying particular. So then what happens is that those people, you know, in order for them to like get out of the town, you know, out of the municipality, they have to come into the city, and sometimes they take it into the city is to work for one of these families. Exactly. So to me, what blew my mind was, you know, logically, I would think like, oh, if, if you're an, you know, if you're working as a, as a housekeeper, you know, the fact that one step below the, the richest socioeconomic status was the housekeeper blew my mind. Yeah, like you could, you, could, you, could, <laughs> you, you know. could also, you could also have like this scenario. Like, for example, you have a family that's like, you know, social status six plus, right? And um, they have some family members that are still in the municipalities, right? And they have like a 17-year-old daughter in the municipality, like that it's a cousin, you know, a second cousin or whatever that wants to go to school, right? And they'll be like, okay, no, send her over so she can work for us as a maid and we'll put her through school, Dude, right? So she'll, 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 she's working as a maid full-time, live-in maid. She has her own room because apartments in Colombia actually come with a maid room. That's the other thing is like, and I saw this in Spain, they all, the, a lot of the, the nicer apartment, and nicer is not mean like creme de la creme. It's just like, there's Any a little decent, there's a little room next like a, to the kitchen. Exactly. For the there's maid. a little room. It looks like it looks like a bigger like clot like a a fucking closet, but it's it's, it's enough room for a little for cot, a bed, yeah. for a little cot and some things, and that's where the the maid lives. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And they come it's right. That you bring up the schools and stuff because I went to two schools when bring I bring the like, mic up to your mouth, Victor. Jesus I, Christ. <laughs> fuck off. When I lived in Colombia for those like periods of time, I went to schools. The first one was in in like outskirts of Bogota by Chia. It was called New England. Oh, Chia! Chia's uh, cool. I like it Chia. Called, it was called, listen, it was called New England School, and it was a English school. Like, everything was taught in English to the point that they had a they had a math class in English, and they had a math class in Spanish. It was called Matemáticas en Inglés, en Español. I was like, what the fuck? And my so my those family people, had a vacation home in Chia. And so those people, of course. <laughs> and so, dude, those kids, <laughs> those kids in that school, 
I would. I was always so shocked at what the parents like. They were all the parents were like executives for Eco Petrol and shit like that. And I was like, I'm just here because my dad just happens to be an American fucking person working down here. And then the second school I went to was a a school that was called um, Patria, which is like a fucking. It's where uh, army people send their kids, mm-hmm. and he was fucking terrible. the army brat. And it was fucking terrible, and it was well, not terrible. It was so different to the one that. The, the well, government. because we remember that people that are in the army in Colombia is not like people that are in the army here. Oh, like, yeah, no, people in the army in Colombia are poor as fuck. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's not, it's, it's not different. like, it's not, it's, it's not different. different. Like, here you, here for some people, the army is like a ticket out of like, you know, being the, a piece of shit. The military like, over there is so much different. Like, over there is different. Over there is like being, being, being a, being a soldier is pretty much synonymous with being poor. For the most part, I think so. Yeah. Like, so unless obviously, you're an, unless you're obviously, an officer, unless yeah, unless you're a high-ranking officer, yeah, an officer, but if you're not, there, if you're just a regular soldier, yeah, I mean, we're talking about it's this, synonymous not, of poor. So most likely, their kids are going to go to a messed up public school. I mean, we're, we're talking about this. An officer over there, for the most part, not all of them, but for the most part, it means you're probably in, the, in a political track. You're probably, you know, you know, you're you're pretty, you're a big cat. You're a big cat, and if you, if you, especially in the high ranks, like you were saying, you're a big. Yeah, cat, because that, that applies like the whole social status thing that yeah. happens in the city applies to, to, to everything. Yeah, those guys, <laughs> like, those guys who go to the academy over there, they're like the same guys that went to that school I'm talking about, mm-hmm. you know. And I'm, I just happened to the, the government pay for the fucking school. Well, so we got great. a little bit off topic, but so sorry, I'm down with all this. The the point is, no, no. The point is that I was soft. You were right. soft. So my dad was trying to find the way. He was soft. <laughs> Literally. Literally. 98 kilos. Squishy. <laughs> I was like the Michelin that boy. That is about 290 pounds. About, about so, 290 pounds, by the way. So, about um, 290. Uh, no, like 98 kilos would be like 200. And, do the math, but it should be like 210. About 290. No, no not 290. No, 290. No, no, Where the no, fuck no. you getting 290? I'm not 290 now. 196. I'm drunk, man. 196. 196. There you go. All right. So and we could have just said 200 and it would be fine. <laughs> and it's not 196 because it's 2.2. You just two. You so did two about, pounds. So, so it's like 200 it, pounds. So I just call it 200 pounds and fuck off. 200 off. pounds. So it's 200 pounds, and um, so literally soft. And my dad was trying to find a way of getting me, you know, more fit and also like not so soft in terms of like mentality and whatever because I was going to go into a rough school. So someone told him, hey, there's this natural medicine doctor that does that does great things with people that are fat. A shaman. A shaman. This, they're fat. They call them over there bioenergeticos. El curandero. El, El curandero. curandero. And, and the guy in, the, in his backyard, he has a Shaolin well, that's monk. That's not a good sign. That's not a good sign. He <laughs> has, in his backyard, he has a Shaolin monk, this teaching martial arts. So my my I go to this guy the guy the the natural medicine doctor is actually a super well known guy, it's not like a sh- it wasn't a shaman he was like you know very well respected guy he was actually a regular doctor that practiced natural medicine, so I'm you know taking to the consult with a guy for my my weight my you know my weight issue, and then he says okay like he did all the medical part and then he said okay let me introduce you to the to the Shaolin monk. Because it would be good for you to do exercise as well. So they take me to the backyard. And, like, the backyard is already, like, conditioned. Like, it has, like, a whole yin and yang on the floor thing and everything. So hang on. Hang on. And, hang on. and there's, 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 like, a Shaolin there's... monk in the backyard? Dude. Like, what the... Wait for this. Like, there's Wait a dog. This. It's like, oh, we got a dog. We got a Shaolin yeah, monk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Something like that. So, and then they scum this out. This bald guy. Bald guy. And in, uh, in gray. Like, a gray Chinese, like, martial art uniform. Um, but his name was Pedro. And his name was Heidel. His name was Heidel. Wait, wait, wait. Wait, wait. 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 Stop. Hold up. Heidel. Heidel. What does this man look like? Heidel Cadena. I have a picture. I need to see this. I need to see this. I have a recent picture of him because I actually have. So, what is his chat? I have a chat on WhatsApp. Of like all the guys that did Shaolin with me back in the day. <laughs> so, so what is the Shaolin so we, background? What well, is I'll, I'll talk to you about it. Haido, Haido. So we'll we'll get into that. This is actually pretty interesting. This is super interesting. This is fucking amazing. So, no, 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 not his name is his name is Haido. No, he was Colombian. He was, he, 
No, no, he was Colombian. He His was Colombian. His name is Jairo, bro. No, check this out. This is. Oh, this. I, need, I need to see. Hold up. I need, I need to see. This, this is. This is. Um, you, I'm gonna blow your minds in a second. Here's some information. I'm looking. We're looking for him, bro. Wait a minute. I can't. I can't multitask. I can't do two things at the same time. Like I can't look for Jairo and talk about this. Um, so, so. Um, here, the story is this. The story is that the real, their story, obviously. Remember, this is before Google, so we couldn't fact check <laughs> any of this shit. Okay. Um, and uh, there's a high, high percentage of, the, of, this, of, of this that is actually real. There's obviously a percent of a bullshit, but there's but most of it was actually real. When you say, what are we talking about here specifically? When like you say the, this is... the lineage of the oh, okay, guy. Okay, okay, gotcha. Okay, so so the guy the guy's um the guy's lineage is that he was a third degree black belt in uh, Shaolin Faming Chuang, which is a style of Shaolin, um, and at third rank of of, of third black belt rank is called a sisuk let me so sorry let me which is right before sifu sifu is is a fourth uh black belt in in the tradition so he was a third Ryan, degree wait, black wait, wait, belt wait, 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 which wait, automatically wait. made him like in order for you to get to that rank you had to like be a monk was like, he shaved he said was shaved, shaved head shaved. oh okay okay, head okay. Shaved. that's my I, I, I was killing my mind no no, no yeah yeah like shaved. that's the only thing that if he's head shaved he's legit <laughs> yeah dude, he's good dude <laughs> he's I, good. I i i ended up shaving my head come on <laughs> Did <laughs> you shave your long locks? Long locks. Oh, gone. Shaolin. I'm gonna have to show you my 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 uh, my black belt. So pictures. guys, this podcast will be accompanied by some P a PDF of pictures. That <laughs> okay. So Jesus. so check this out. So the guy the the story behind. I'm not gonna go super deep into that, but the story is that the Faming Chuang, like that line of Shaolin, ended up with two Japanese brothers, not Chinese, Japanese brothers. Uh, last name Ito, uh, I-T-O, and the the last brother, because one died off because he was too old, the last brother was like looking for a disciple to continue the tradition, and he found his disciple in Puerto Rico. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. The, where, the, <laughs> the guy, the Japanese guy found his disciple, like his student to continue. And he was traveling around the world. The tradition in Puerto Rico. And the Japanese guy the was yeah, okay. I don't know. Like, I'm, I can't really tell you the details of that. Yeah, fair enough, fair enough. Keep but the the name of the guy that was going to continue the tradition in Puerto Rico's name is Mariano Rivera, and the guy started a, a, a you know after after he became got into the tradition and he became a you know a, of a high ranking like you know black belt within the tradition, which is you know Sifu would be what would make him on number at like four degree black belt or whatever. Um, he started his own um, like organization called Sibochi, which was Sistema Internacional de Boxeo Chino. So it was like Chi Chinese international international system of Chinese boxing. So it it um, it became like a big thing all over Colombia. It was more centralized towards like the interior of Colombia, and then they had like when when their students like would decide to become Sisuks. And like third degree of black belt and decided to go into like the whole monkhood thing. Part of their job was to go and open schools in different parts of the, of the country. So that's how this monk ended up in the backyard what, what? of a natural medicine doctor because he was like doing his mission of opening more <laughs> and, schools and around spreading, the world. and spreading the, the spreading the art. So, Haido the monk. Haido Cadena the Haido the Shaolin monk. Now what was what was the um, before black? What was the belting? Structure? So white. Yes. Yellow. Okay. Yellow two stripes. Uh, sorry, no. It's yellow two stripes. Yellow one stripe. Orange. Orange one stripe. Orange two stripes. Green. Purple and black. And what did you get to? No, green, purple, red, and black. What did Ooh. you get to? I was first degree black. Whoa! Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> and you said fourth degree is Sifu. Fourth degree is Sifu, correct. Sifu, Sifu. Paul. So I was, I was, I was, I, I actually got banned from the system. <laughs> oh, the rebel! I love it. I got banned from the system from doing illegal techniques. No, actually, for um, doing jujitsu. No, no, no. I became the boyfriend of the head guy's daughter, <laughs> oh, and while I'll do it. <laughs> and while dating her, I was unfaithful. 
<laughs> a very unchallenged thing to do. <laughs> he found how, out how and, un, how and banned me. Spelled you. How cast un, you out. I got banned. How on Sifu of you? Uh, yeah. How so wait, 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 wait. I was what? actually, listen, I was actually, but I, mean, I was a kid. I was like 16 years old. I mean, he's got, he's got to sow his oats. Come on. Right? So, so at 16, at 16, I was like super big into this thing, you know, and into the, into the whole, like, you know. Well, uh, Shaolin Wushu thing. So, so clearly, so, not. So you clearly not. So when you got exposed to it, you you it sounds like you you took to it. You enjoyed it. Oh, I loved it. You know, I, I there was a point where I would like get out of school and go straight to the gym. What did and, you like about? It? What appealed to you? Just everything. You know, the martial art, the structure, the demand, the the. It wasn't just the martial art. Like it wasn't just the martial part. It was accompanied by like philosophy classes. So you had to actually take exams philosophical exams in order to go from rank to rank so i had to study confucianism buddhism um like there was a lot a lot a lot a lot that was like tied into it um you know you had to like attend certain seminaries uh, so there's a lot of culture education oh yeah yeah so i had to go like seminars about like fascia sheng and like you know the power of the mind and a bunch of like um, a lot of things you had to do like you know you had to do courses in relaxation and meditation and a lot of things. Like it was, it was very complex. That's cool. How how would you compare it to jujitsu, like in general? Not 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 jujitsu in here in the school, but in general. Like how would you compare it to that? I mean, obviously, there's not a huge cultural thing in jujitsu. That's why that's kind of the appeal for a lot of people. But what is how? Yeah, for me, the cool thing about jujitsu is that it's like a land of misfits. Yeah. Like you know, like you, a lot of people that practice jujitsu are like kind of like who I am nowadays or maybe who I was for for a long time like there's no questions asked you are who you are come and roll we love you you know kind of thing like I like that about jiu-jitsu you know this is, and we're not now, even at the jujitsu part. We're getting, we're getting deep now. Yeah, we're we're get, okay, deep so, now. <laughs> all right, so let 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 let's keep. And with so, that, so so the 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 training in, in wushu was super hardcore. So you like, cheated this girl to the point that that we got hit with sticks if we weren't doing shit okay, right. Okay, so you know, I'm assuming like, it sounds like these were group classes. You were you were taking classes with other all students. in groups. And yeah. how many people were in your in a class? Well, group? when I first started, because it was just starting in my city, it was. You know, you know, four or five people in my class. Okay. What was and then um, it, it grew? It grew up all the way to like having like you know thirty students in a class. What was his parent? At was some point, when like? I was a black belt, I was a instructor as well. You what know, was for the sparring system. like? What, what was the sparring like, or like technique wise? Well, how- so there were three different types of fight. Uh-huh. So there was like fights with points. So every time you marked a point, they would stop the fight. So that's like one one type of fight. Mm-hmm. And then there was like they called pelea corrida, which is um, full sparring, full yeah, contact. Like, Full sparring, and then there's koshu, which is it was like a little bit of it was like a Chinese MMA kind of thing, like because you could like throw people on the floor, you could, you know, you could do a bunch of things, which is what I did. So my my line of fight, I was five time international champion of koshu fight. It, it, whoa, whoa, international, international. international. Yeah. I have the I have the medals and everything. How many people competed? Uh? How many people? No, this is huge. This is like okay. I was gonna say. No, no, <laughs> two people no, no, competed. No, no, I won the one match. No, no, we're talking. We're talking like you know. Every even China was involved. So, uh, yeah, China, Ecuador, Brazil, you know, Dominican Republic, Puerto Rico, Colombia, USA, like all over the world. And I, I won in my division five times, and it was like kind of like the MMA version, like like a Chinese version of MMA. Interesting. The only difference was that you didn't, you would wear, there was small gloves, similar to the ones they wear in, M- in MMA, but we wore a full, a full head helmet. A helmet, like solid. It, it, no, it's like, it was padded on the sides, but it had like a fiberglass visor g- grid okay. kind of like thing in front. Okay, almost like so, a hockey, like a hockey. Almost head. like a hockey thing. Okay, that's, like that's, cr- that's that's what you would wear on the head as a head protector. That's head weird. Gear. That's wild because you can just blast the fuck out of. Oh each yeah, other. It, it's actually more painful to yeah, hit exactly. with that on than without it. But you can blast the fuck out of. But each the other. reason why they wore it was because at least it wouldn't deform your face. Like it wouldn't like you well, wouldn't get cut. Like you you wouldn't get like the you know the high the yeah. bruising and all that you know from the from the contact. But obviously, you know, we were we, we no, were yeah, we were kicking the, the shit out of ourselves in the face. In the face, yeah. Because if you have a 
pad protector, you have and this confidence. And small gloves. Yeah, and you have this confidence that, yeah, yeah not, okay. Not, not like 16-ounce, mm. you, know, you know, boxing gloves. It was small gloves. Yeah, no, that's... that's so that's, it's super hardcore. That, that, that's the whole argument with the padding, with the, with the headgear. It's like... No, listen, wait. The, when the minute we were introduced to the... It's funny because this, the, the, actually the development of this school, this um, Wushu school in the city that I was from, had a lot to do with my me with my with my with my involvement as a student because the reason why I grew so much is because my dad was actually helping them out financially so I loved it <laughs> how how is strato six plus from you yeah so so I was so so into it that they wanted to go from the backyard to an actual school and who made it happen was my dad like my dad made it happen for them to actually go into What's an actual place uh? Was it because you were interested on it, or he it was because I was interested? Okay, that's and, cool. You know, I was like, it was my life for a while. Nice. Like I was a vegetarian. I didn't drink any any alcohol. Um, and that was part of the shower. My head was shaved. Like I was like, it's that was all part great. of that culture. Oh yeah. In order for you to become a first degree black belt, you had to be a vegetarian. If not, you couldn't. Do what the was exam. the What was the rationale there? Hmm? What was the rationale? Like, part of the the philosophy that you know that the animals were not food. You know? Okay. Um, was your dad? Was your dad... Um, so I became a vegetarian at age 14 because I was going to take my black belt exam, right? So that's when I... I actually, when I went for the exam, the exam was five days. So the, the examination process was five days. It was a, a, like a full camp, like secluded from, you know, the world where like, um, you know, we were just training for five days. And at the end of the five days, you had to, you had to go through a certain amount of like actual fights with other black belts and survive that, so you could get the you know your black belt. So apart from learning, you know all these like forms and katas and self-defense techniques and mechanisms, like I had to come, I had to. Part of the exam was coming up with 150 self-defense techniques against different attacks of your own and memorizing them. And giving the paper to the instructor and then doing one by one without making a mistake out of the 150. So that was like one part of the exam. It was like super hardcore. Um, but when I went into the camp, I wasn't a vegetarian yet. So when I came back from the camp, my mom was waiting, me with, waiting for me with my favorite dish, which was at the time um, beef tenderloin with sauteed mushrooms and french fries. So my mom was waiting for me with that. And I'm like, oh, no, mom, I'm a vegetarian now. So... Um, like, was she like crestfallen when she saw that? <laughs> no, no, no. She actually was impressed, I guess. And then she said, she said, uh, my dad was always big into, you know, the whole like, you know, philosophy, you know, thing. And he had been a vegetarian too when he was a kid at some point. So my mom said, you know what? Ryan's a vegetarian. I'm not going to cook twice. So fuck you all. We're all vegetarians now. So, <laughs> so uh, was your brother still there? My the brother was yeah, he was still there. So my dad, my brother actually started to get into the into the he got into the whole system as well. He never made it to black belt, but um but he did it for a long time as well. And and you know, you said your dad was, you know, financially supported this endeavor both for you obviously, but also for the the school or the instructor. Well, he saw the success of the school being, you know, a, a way of me con to continue, you know. Was he, besides the, you know, for lack of a better term, the managing of the plantation stuff and that business, was he involved in any other sort of business? Oh, no, at that point, my dad doesn't have anything to do with Chiquita Banana. Really? No, so no, what was no. he doing? No, my dad directly never worked for the company. It was my, his father that did. So then what was... what was My dad, or own, my dad owned... He was an independent. He, he owned his own car dealerships. Oh, really? Yeah. And he did that in Colombia. In Colombia. Okay. So you are in your late teens, early 20s at this point? Not even. No, like 16. 16. So you're at 16. You, you started out studying journalism. You decided so, not yeah, to do... So, so I graduated high school, 17, and that's when I go into journalism. In journalism. And then you're like, this is not for me, so you got into teaching English. English. Languages. Languages. But primarily English. Okay. And then, subsequently, that's when the culinary thing starts to... Well, the culinary had been there always. Like, my dad, apart, one of his businesses before, like, the car dealerships he had, he owned, like, a big pizza joint 
um, as I my you know my my aunt was a caterer, my mom was an accomplished baker, my brother was a vegetarian, self-made chef. So like food was a big thing in our family, like everything was about food. So uh, I started getting getting interested in in cooking more at a higher level. Like you know my my family was okay being rustic and they loved it and it's still to this point. Their food is delicious, but they they're you know they're they're okay with the whole rustic approach to food. I decided that I wanted to that I started to get interested in food at another level, like taking food to to a, a higher the level. The culinary arts, correct. So so at this point, when I decide to do this, I'm already like in my twenties and I'm not a vegetarian anymore because I had already been banned for shouting. <laughs> They like you know what? Fuck it, I'm going back. No, no, Give no. Me the meat. Honestly, the way the way it happened was that that I was like I was working some you know one of my teaching jobs, and I would always like take I would always eat sandwiches like cheese sandwiches for lunch or bullshit salads because at the time there was nothing available for vegetarians, and obviously at my house it was amazing because my mom was an accomplished chef. Actually, my mom my mom wrote a vegetarian cookbook based on our experiences of being vegetarians in Colombia. At a time where there were no vegetarians, it's called Veggie Good. You know, it was sold on Amazon for a while. I don't know if you can even get it anymore, but it's out there. Um, Shout out to what, Veggie Good. Veggie Good, yeah. Shout out to Veggie Good on Amazon. <laughs> Look for it. I don't think I don't think it's available on Amazon anymore, but I'm sure that that there's a there's it's out there somewhere. Um, there's this is definitely not a plug because I mean, my mom didn't make any money on this. But uh, but she did. But it was uh, the accomplished one with this. She actually, you know, she actually self-published her own, you know, vegetarian cookbook. Pretty pretty dope book. And my brother did like all the graphics for the book and everything. But um, so I did. I I was like, you know, tired of eating sandwiches and salads. And um, one day a friend says, "Hey, you know, why don't you have some steak and rice with me for lunch?" And I was like, "Fuck it, let's do it." So everybody kind of like low key thought I was going to die because I had been a vegetarian for like five years plus. So I ate the meat and nothing happened to me. <laughs> so after that, I was a carnivore. <laughs> and and, you know, and then I started like getting interested in the in the more culinary arts portion of of cooking. So that's how the interest the, the interest got us started. And, and just in terms of timeline, what year are we at right now? This is you're still in Colombia, so it's it's getting close to 2006, I would imagine. No, no, we're like your 2000s right now. 2000, okay. So you're still working as a. Like early, yeah, you're still teaching. You're still you're still teaching English. Mm-hmm. You're still teaching English at this point. Yeah. So yeah. So obviously, when when I I, I taught English all the way through I till I left Colombia. So you left Colombia, but yeah. now you're developing an interest in the culinary arts and learning a more formula formally Correct. and not just doing the, the rustic stuff are you doing anything in colombia are you doing any like is there any um formal training in the culinary arts that none. occurs in okay no not in colombia the only training that i got was like very self-made like i decided that i was gonna like you know watch every fucking cooking show was available sure. you know cookbooks my mom my aunt you know my brother so you're an amateur enthusiast at this point correct okay now what brought you so then you said you came to the united states because you had married a colombian whose family was primarily based in the united states so you guys emigrated to the united states in 2006 at this point there's been no formal training it's all been your own interest when it's come to the culinary stuff when you come to the united states what are you doing for work and what's happening on the culinary side of things okay so no so i can't i can't work at the time because my wife was the one that was a resident and I didn't have like, you know, the, so you came in on like a fiance visa or something. Not even, I came in on a tourist visa and I was going to like figure out. Okay. That make it happen. Yeah. So, and, and where did you go? Where did you end up in the uh, landed State? in Miami? Okay. Like Pembroke Pines to be exactly. Oh, what a, what a, what a Latino just showed up in Miami, brother. Pembroke Pines, you know, <laughs> and hermano. <laughs> and uh, and the reason why we we got there is because my wife's uh, dad was living there, so it was like a place to 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 come. And he he was a very successful guy too. So you know we we came to like a very 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 nice you know environment. 
Um, and because I had to figure out, we had to figure out the whole um, naturalization thing with me in order to, to live here. Um, as I said, my wife was a resident, but as a resident, you can't really make your husband a resident. You have to be a citizen to make your husband a resident. So she wasn't a citizen yet, and she didn't have the time to to um, to become a citizen because she had been studying in Colombia, and she hadn't been like maintaining a permanent residency here. So she had her green card. She had a green she didn't card have a passport, and but she didn't have a passport, and she wasn't eligible for citizenship for another couple like of years because she didn't have the accumulated time as a resident because she was living abroad. So because of that, the solution was, okay, so what am I going to do? I'm going to go to culinary school in a different country, <laughs> and I'm going to fly back and forth. <laughs> okay. Okay. So where did you? Okay. So, so Argentina. You went to Argentina. I, I was went, thinking you went I to went, Italy. No, I went to one of the best culinary schools in the world uh, in Argentina, called Instituto Gastronomico de Argentina. In Buenos Aires, I would imagine. Yep. In Buenos Aires, okay. What was the name of the school again? Say it one more time. Instituto Gastronomico. That's it. In okay, the Gastronomy Institute mm -hmm. in Buenos Aires. Okay, and how long was that program? Like how how many? Two years. years. Two year program. Um, I would imagine culinary school is rather expensive to go to. It was, especially as an international student. As an international student. The good thing was that I was getting money, you know, forked out in dollars to, you know. To Argentina, so it wasn't that bad because of the conversion. Yeah. Okay. And so you went. And so Argentina was like not in a good place at the time, and they've always handled the dollar there as a currency anyway. So it was it was good. It was like it was it was it was an easy thing. It wasn't that bad. It wasn't that bad. Okay. And 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 at the time, uh, so you're spending time in Argentina in culinary school, but you are traveling regularly back to Miami. Yeah, so you know you can every time you every time you leave and you come back in, it they can give you six months. It, yeah, but it really depends on the immigration officer. If he wants to be a dick, he can give you two mm -hmm. months or a month or mm -hmm. whatever you bought the ticket for. But I never really ran into any of those issues. So, the only issue I ran into was when I showed up, you know, uh, because I did I did all of these these things through my Colombian passport. So my Colombian passport has. You know my full name, like a shit ton of my full no, my full name that is completely British, and the officers would always wonder why the fuck my name, those names were on a Colombian passport, and they were like, something's fishy here, like you know. <laughs> what, what's your last name? I th th I still don't know your last name. I just know. Orlando so Fisher. Colombians use both last names. So my last names are Owen Riley. Owen Riley, Jesus Christ, bro! It's like you're on the fucking English soccer team or something. It's like fucking dude. I used to I used to fuck around with my friends. I used to tell them, yeah, Michael Owen is my my cousin. You know, Jeez. I know Michael Owen. It's like it's like it's like we're expecting like Ryan Gutierrez Ortega or something, and we get fucking Owen Ryan yeah. Owen. Dude, it always happened. Every time I went through immigration, they would be like, Colombian. <laughs> okay, so um. Uh, so, so when tell I, us about so culinary. I, so I graduate. Obviously, you know what? What I learned. What I really learned. Um, Did you kill somebody yet in the story? No, no he's no, in no. culinary school in Argentina. But no, that, that's classified, okay, so Victor. Give me, give that's me classified. a quick recap. How I was thinking. Victor, that's classified. The killing is classified. Oh, sorry. <laughs> yeah, <that's, laughs> no, no, no. Um, so last time when I left you, you were in, and you were getting Shaolin. It's yeah, quick. so we're already worried so about that. But he, so he had he had sex with the the instructor's yeah, daughter. Cheated, cheated on some. No, no, no. Like the guy, the 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 guy that continued the Puerto Rican dude that continued the lineage worldwide. Yes. So he yeah. had some you know kids, and one of the yeah. daughters was my girlfriend. And, you cheated girlfriend. On her. and I was and in high. He cheated on her, and, and, and I was in high school, and she lived in a different city. So we Long didn't see each other. Yeah, come on. Hey, yeah, like it's like, dude. Come on. Come on. Hey, I mean, I mean, I different zip code. <laughs> no, no. So, so she's she's like living in a different city. I'm I'm like you know in a, in high school, and there's fucking hot girls and hot girls in my high school. So obviously, you know, I went out with one of these. I got man has needs, man. Come on. And then and then you know they found out. Oh, dude, I was. You're I was hot shit. Now you're Shaolin. Dude, I was Shaolin. I was black belt. I kicked ass. I was, you know, in the best shape of my life. You know, washboard abs. You know, <laughs> I'm like, I'm British. You know, olive, 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 olive green eyes. I'm white. You know, I'm rich. I'm a privileged white guy. 
in a foreign country dude i was an ass magnet so that happened and then so now we're in argentina and you're in culinary school okay, so, you're culinary. So, so what was culinary school like what what, what was it, what were your expectations and well, actually, what was it was it was it was, was kind of like a solution you know to to what was going on at the time with the whole immigration issue um and I, when when i finished it would be the time for my wife to be able to become a citizen and then she could just um you know i would be able to get my green card through her citizenship right oh dude hold up parentheses here you know what we got to talk about we got to talk about monaco Monaco. We gotta talk. No, no, about no. Monaco. Monaco's classified, bro. Dude, I thought you said all access. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. We'll get to Monaco. No, 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 no wait. This is a quick parentheses. This is a quick parentheses. This is, you said it's all access, bro. <laughs> so a quick, a quick, just snap preview. I gotta go soon. But when we were on the mule night that one time, yeah, Ryan, there were some things about Monaco. We gotta talk about Monaco. <laughs> <laughs> this is the time. But he's drinking non-alcoholic beer. I don't know if we're gonna get. See that, that day they got shit out of me because I, I was getting hammered. <laughs> that shit. We we're like, bro, Monaco. 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 Now Victor, every time he sees me, he goes, Monaco. <laughs> Fist up high. <laughs> and boom, there's our part one in the books. Guys, we'll be back next week, same time, same place for part two of this three-part conversation with Ryan. Guys, if you want to follow him, you can check him out on Instagram at Orlando Food Critic and also his Spanish language cooking channel on Instagram, El Brian Cocina. All this information is going to be in the show notes. So wherever you're listening, just check the show notes and you'll see that information there. Guys, thank you so much for listening. Again, you can follow us at BJJ and Brews on Instagram, on Facebook, and you can always email us at BJJ and Brews at gmail.com. Thanks again for listening. It's great to be back from our summer break and look forward to listening to us uh, in the upcoming weeks. We've got plenty of cool stuff planned. So we'll see you next week, same time, same place with part two. Until then, be cool, take care. We'll catch you down the road.